Ciao a tutti and welcome to another episode of The Devil Wears Rossonero. I'm Patrick alongside my usual co-host Tim Fontenault at Stoll underscore P at Tim underscore Fontenault and at SBN Rossonero is how you can get a hold of us. It's been a roller coaster of a week, friends. It has been quite a time to be a Milan fan. The much-anticipated Europa League matchup in the round of 16 against Arsenal went exactly opposite of the plan. 2-0 defeat to Arsenal. Just an absolutely shambolic performance from top to bottom from the Rossoneri at the San Siro, so they have a big hole to get out of on Thursday at the Emirates against a rejuvenated Arsenal, which is, as I joke around with Tony Miola on counterattack, right where we want them. We got them right where we want them, boys. As for the domestic campaign, Milan got their wind back in them, and Andre Silva, 94th minute header to win the game on the road at Genoa leaves Milan just five points back of Inter of the bad guys and they are now officially in sixth place which is Europa League qualifying that and the Thursday match against Arsenal and then they have to turn around and on Sunday host Chievo Verona who just came off a rough loss to Hellas Verona in the Derby. Of course, we would love your take on it at Stoll underscore P, at Tim underscore Fontenault, and at SBN Rossonero. Tim, my man, how are you holding up after a uh, uh, really bad and then uh, pretty darn good seeing Andre Silva score his first Serie A goal? Yeah, it it hasn't been the easiest week, Patrick. I mean, obviously that loss to Arsenal was just demoralizing. You start to wonder, what does this mean for the rest of the season? Where are we going? But yeah, Andre Silva scoring that goal at Genoa, 94th minute, really helps lift the mood a little bit. Obviously, still really dark heading to the Emirates on Thursday, but you got to look at the positive signs when you can. I mean, not calling for moral victories, but You're now six points out of fourth with a match in hand on Lazio. Obviously, Inter has that too, but hey, things are going to be really interesting in Serie A from top to bottom. I mean, all around us, uh, all the way to the end of the season. So let's go. I think uh, demoralizing is one way to put it. I was on another podcast uh, the night after. So uh, not too long after the, the whole thing happened, and I mean, what can what can you say about just an absolute devastatingly poor performance? And, you know, if you look at the lineups, you had Donnarumma was fine. Neither of the goals were his fault. Uh, I didn't think Benucci or Romagnoli were particularly bad, but I didn't think they were great. Uh, Rodriguez was meh. Uh, Calabria got burned time after time after time. Kessie was only good until he tried to pass the ball, uh, and that was bad. Bilia, invisible. Bonaventura, poor. Chalanaglu, bad. Kutrone got nothing to work with. And Suso, uh, this was the one that stood out to me. Suso was bad. Uh, they couldn't pl- complete a pass. Uh, they couldn't... They had 16 shots. 
one of those was on target. One. And it took a while to get that one, too. And I can't even tell you which one that is. (laughs) Because all I remember is being constantly frustrated, like, oh, my God, this is not. (laughs) It was awful. Ten corners. 52% possession, I think, is misleading because Arsenal, every time they got the ball, they would do the same exact thing. Break on the counter, get it out wide, and get a good chance. They had eight shots, four of which were on target. The first goal, uh, the deflected Mkhitaryan goal, was preventable, to say the least. Just some bad marking, and like there was no closing down that I saw. And then the second goal was just shocking. I mean, that was the one that really uh, fried my bacon. Because... Holy moly, are we going to cover them or not? Because that was the most shocking defending that I had seen. And that was when everyone was really like, oh, wow, Arsenal are just far superior. Which I'm not going to argue with. Like, Arsenal was the better team and probably is the better team. Yeah. And I don't want to take that away from them. They have way too many quality players to say that they're not. Obviously, we banter about Arsenal. Everyone does. But they, I mean, they showed up and Milan just looked like they were never awake except for the first five minutes. And that was one of the frustrating things was that the first five minutes, I was like, oh, if this is what we're talking about, like, this is going to be a, this is going to be a fun game. And after those first five minutes, that onslaught, the, the shanked Coutrone shot, it just from there, the onslaught of corners, and then after that, it was all Arsenal. It was a one-way street, and that was it was just not a good look at all. No, that was a really horrendous night. And starting with that last thing you pointed out, the start was so inspiring. And you're watching it and you're thinking, all this talk, all this, everything we've been saying, everything that has changed under Gattuso – this is we're gonna show it tonight. This is this is gonna be great. And then it was just one way traffic after that. I mean, it was so hard to watch everything just transform after those five minutes. And it got to a point where I at one point I put up the that Spider-Man meme and said Arsenal watching Milan play tonight and the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Cause it was so true. <laughs> like Yep. And in both ways, I think Milan doing the same thing with Arsenal because the, as you said, what Arsenal would do was they'd get the ball on the counter, they'd play it out wide, and they'd work inside to create chances. And I feel like during that thirteen match run, that was kind of a theme for Milan. You would see that all the time. I, I just one play that summed up that entire unbeaten run to me was the goal against Sampdoria, where Belia won the ball in the midfield. Plays it out to Chalanoglu. Chalanoglu plays it like he's Tom Brady throwing a perfect pass to Suso on the other wing. And then Suso sees Calabria overlapping. Plays it to Calabria, who sees a runner in the box. And it was a perfectly executed counterattack that I think summarized exactly how the team was playing in during that run. And that's exactly what Arsenal did to them. There was just nothing. Like, you said Cutrone couldn't... He was... He was a man on an island. The poor kid. I mean, he's done so so many amazing things this season. He just had nothing. I mean, 
Chalinoglu looked like early season Chalinoglu. Suso looked like he was back in Anfield. Uh, it was truly a shocking performance. That first goal, the Mkhitaryan goal, I mean, look, he just, he made David Calabria his plaything on Thursday. I mean, that cut inside, he just, he was torturing the poor kid. And, you know, you, you need better from Calabria. He's earned that spot as the starting right back. And obviously they're in a situation where he was going to be the guy anyway. So you need him to step up and he couldn't lock him down. Obviously, once Mkhitaryan cuts inside, you hope that the center back does what he's supposed to do in that situation and close him down. Didn't see that. Unfortunately, the, def- the f- deflection, you kind of look at it and, at that point, Arsenal had been in control, but you see the deflection, and you're kind of like, ah, oh, well, that's just crap luck. You know, but then they keep going, keep applying the pressure, and Milan can't get anything at the other end. And then you see Aaron Ramsey get through, and I, I counted four or five guys around him, and no one moved. They were statues. It was unbelievable to watch them just, it, it, it looked like they just gave up on the play. And Aaron Ramsey looked like he was almost shocked that he had all that space. And then you leave Donnarumma in a position where he has to come out. He doesn't have a choice. And he, the way the angle Ramsey was coming in, he's like, I either need to close off the post or I need to give him the rest of the, or I need to close off the rest of the goal. And he was just a, he was left out to dry. And it was, that was when, you know, the phone's in the hand and you want to throw it out the window and, just, uh, it's, there's so much that went wrong. And Frank Kessier after the match was talking about how I, I, I don't want to believe he was making excuses, but he's like, look, we need to, you know, a lot of us on this team, this was our first time in this kind of game where we're 20, 21, 23 years old. And okay, there's that. Yeah. But, but you yeah. need to. To, you're professionals. You're playing for this massive club. You're playing for this massive club because you've proven that you can step up. You know the situation. You know what's required of you. You can't plead inexperience on in this situation. Just there's, you're not. I'm not having it. No, no way. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the inexperience thing. I get the young thing. And that, in my opinion, is the positive spin of its, I believe, on average, they're the youngest team in Serie A, which is pretty shocking. And I, I, I get that they're young, and I get that a lot of them haven't been there. But at the same time, some of these guys have played in international qualifiers. You know, you play for AC Milan, you've played big teams before. You know, the positive is, okay, they're young and they're at this point, so the future is bright. But I, I don't buy that as an excuse. I'm with you. I'm not having that, especially when I understand it was a big game in front of a sold-out San Siro and on the 13-game unbeaten run and Milan were the favorites, which I wasn't a fan of because I was like, uh-oh, this is just setting us up for defeat, which it very much did because of how Arsenal were playing, which was the exact opposite. And I, you know, they looked scared, they looked nervous, they looked asleep, and every time they got the ball, they couldn't complete a pat. Like, you don't forget how to do basic things if you're playing another team, you know? 
And no, I wasn't on the pitch, but I like to think that they should have done better in the simplest of tasks, which is, you know, it felt like every time that they tried to pass the ball, it just went out of bounds. It was like, oh, well, there goes another one. It's like, oh, they're putting it together and the ball's out. I'm like, oh, good. Okay, well, there's that. Now we're going to take another three minutes to get the ball back, and we'll probably need another Donnarumma save in about five minutes, which is pretty much how the game went. One of the devastating things was how, you know, during that 13-game unbeaten run, and I believe it was five consecutive clean sheets, uh, their organization was impeccable. Their defense was solid. Everyone was playing as a unit. Uh, Their offense was clicking. They were getting the job done. They were bossing in midfield. Everything was just working, right? And then against Arsenal... It all went crumbling down in the most pitiful way imaginable. The midfield got absolutely thrashed out there by Arsenal's midfield, which I don't think is otherworldly. I mean, quality, but not world-beating, and they absolutely took us behind the woodshed. Our midfield was absolutely invisible. Bonaventura uh, played like he did under Montella. And really, that's the best way I've seen it described. It was a very Montella performance. It's a good way of putting it. Where it was just like, what the, what in the hell is going on? Like, what are we doing out here, guys? Like, wait, like, wake up here. Yeah, it all came crumbling down. Midfield was bossed. The defense was burned on every single counterattack. And the attack was absolutely invisible outside those five minutes. We sucked. It was horrendous. And this was an opportunity where it's like, how often do we talk about the Premier League being a top six? Yep. And yes, Arsenal are in six, but really, they've kind of fallen off that this year. I mean, they have been truly, truly bad. Like this, this may be one of Wagner's worst all-time seasons. Mm-hmm. And and it not only just over the course of the season, you were playing a team that was just bleeding from every like from wound after wound. Over the last few weeks. This is a team that came in. Having just lost four in a row. At home to Ostersons. In the Europa League. Yes they had the they had the tie pretty much put away. But you let Ostersons beat you at home. Going into a Carabao Cup final. Where you are absolutely embarrassed. And then a couple days later. Are embarrassed by the same. To be fair Manchester City team. But you're supposed to be able to hang with a team like that. And then, even if that was just an aberration, you go to Brighton. And Brighton just, they controlled that game start to finish. Brighton was fantastic that day. And Arsenal limps out of there, has to get on a plane to Milan, where, and this is this is no excuse, this is just a reality. Unfortunately, Milan had the week off had a week off in between matches given the tragedy that happened yeah. in Italy and you figure you come back into play rested you're playing a team that's just complete disarray we're at the point of the season where you're talking about Arsene Wagner being sacked at the end of the season like this is just this is too much for Arsenal I mean, you figure one or two more results like that and you got something almost like at London Stadium the other day. Um, 
I mean, you just let that team, this team in complete disarray, come in and have their way with you. There's I you you were correct, by the way, about this being the youngest team in Syria. I think the only time a club has fielded a team younger than Milan on average, according to Transfer Market, is one time earlier this season, our good friend Massimo Otto did so with Udinese in a pinch against Napoli. I mean, this is a young team, but you were playing against a team that was just there for the taking. And you had your chance to truly announce your grand return. And you wasted it. Plain and simple. The way I see it. Yeah, and they went out there and they stunk the place up. And uh, 75,000 people watched them just absolutely stink. And all the people who watch it on FS2, uh, like myself, saw them just completely get bodied out there. Keith Costigan asked Alexi Lawless on the broadcast, do you see anything from AC Milan that would uh, lead you to think that they could, you know, bring it back at the Emirates? And Alexi goes, no. And that was it. Like, that was it. He was like, no, I don't see anything. Arsenal are the better team. And I was like, yeah, that's about right, based on what I've seen today. Now, I know that they can do better than that. And I know, I I tweeted during the game um, that I am sure that Gattuso will have uh, whatever players he hasn't murdered after the game, I'm sure he'll have them ready to play. As in, I think that he was, I think he ripped a couple heads off at halftime. I mean, you have to, right? Yeah, Um, I was joking around uh, before the Ramsey goal. I said, you know, he's he's probably going to chew out about seven, maybe six but probably seven players are going to get holes punched through them. And then as I tweeted that, the Ramsey goal went in. And I said, okay, never mind. I correct this to 11 because that was so shocking that I was like, nope. All right. we He is just going to kill all of these players. I think he must have given them a motivational speech. You know, they were, they were all right the next day. The next day they were all saying like, look, you know, we didn't play well. Arsenal played really well, but remember, it, there is a second leg. And I said, "Well, I sure hope we can turn it around because I would hate to go out like this." Um, especially, I mean, poor Gattuso, man. I felt so bad for him. He, I don't put this loss on him because you could tell, like, in his face and in his eyes, that he had no idea why they were performing so poorly. I think Wenger got it right, but I don't think Gattuso got it wrong. I think his players let him down. And that that made me uh, particularly sad because I was like, oh my God, look at Gattuso. He looks like his head's going to explode. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. I mean, you look at when the lineups came out and none of the selections were a surprise from Gattuso. That is your best 11. That's the 11 that's been working. You know exactly what you're gonna or not going to apparently in this situation, but what you should get from that team. And then I saw Arsenal's mm-hmm. lineup come out, and I see, I see Kalasnich and Chambers, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, neither of these guys has been truly inspiring. I, the way I was envisioning the game going, just and obviously I'm seeing this through red and black colored glasses, obviously, but. I honestly thought, looking at that, you know, the way Arsenal had been playing, the way they were in complete shambles, I saw 
a very not so stellar pair of fullbacks that I've been watching the way Milan have been attacking on the wings in Syria and even in the Europa League and thinking to myself there's no reason why they can't just put these guys like completely out of their element just control them the entire match and it was the exact opposite they produce nothing Suso and uh, Chalanoglu the two guys that you think would be two of the most reliable guys on the pitch and it was on the other side of the pitch where not not as much with Rodriguez even though he wasn't really all that great but you get that ball down the left wing if you're Arsenal and Calabria was a sitting duck for Mkhitaryan so it was just it, it, I don't think it was anything Gattuso did. Like you said, I think that it was just truly shocking to everyone. And I'm sure to the 11 guys that were on the pitch wearing red and black too, that like, what the hell just happened? Based on Gattuso's reaction after some of their wins, I can only imagine what it was like when they got into the locker room after that loss and that performance where they just got absolutely nothing out there. Second leg, Thursday at the Emirates. I gotta be honest, man. I don't see a lot going forward. You know, I said this when we drew them. One, if Barcelona was in the Europa League, we would have drawn Barcelona. That's the luck we have. (laughs) We were lucky to not get Atletico Madrid, to be honest, because, I mean, that would be the worst situation. Uh, Somehow it would actually be worse than this. We, I mean, 2-0, both are away goals, which sucks. It's going to be a sold-out stadium, I assume, because I think they sell out every game. Uh, Whether the people show up or not, that's different, but I do think they sell out every game. (laughs) This is going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be an absolute dreamland for Milan, in which case all 11 players play spectacularly as opposed to all 11 playing their worst possibly the worst game of the season as a collective and individually uh in the first leg so it's either dreamland where they they have to they have to win by two if they win two nil it is extra time uh which frankly i do not want otherwise if they win by two or more they advance that is a tall task, especially given the offensive performance in the first leg. Uh, crazier things have happened, obviously, uh, but I don't have a lot of confidence. Uh, we'll get to the confidence-boosting back-on-track win against Genoa in a minute, but I am really not feeling too hot about this game. Uh, I'd love for them to prove me wrong, and I'd love to hop on this podcast next week and say, well, look who was wrong. I just don't. I mean, 2-0, they have to score. You know, I think they could win the game, or I could. I think they could get a result, but I don't think they're advancing. No, I agree. Look, this is, this is great for someone like me who's a pessimist by nature because I'm going into Thursday's game with absolutely no expectations. I, I think this tie's done. I think Arsenal just, they've done exactly what they needed to do. And now, even if Milan get a goal, you know, I, I don't know how Milan could keep them from scoring. If things go even kind of 
the way they did last Thursday. Look, I would be singing a completely different tune if one thing had happened in Thursday's game, and that's Milan scoring even just one goal. If this is if this is two one, it's a completely yep. different game. But it's two nil, two away goals. Yeah, you're fighting the most upward of upward battles, and look, you can talk about oh well. You know, remember back in 2012 when we beat them 4-0 and then it was 3-0 at the Emirates and Arsenal nearly did us in? Different time. You can talk about PSG Barcelona and how there's all different examples of a tie never being over. And, you know, we we're sports fans. We know how scripts just don't exist. But... I, I I don't see it happening. I just there's not enough to convince me that this Milan team is capable of yeah. going to the Emirates and winning by two, scoring three goals. First of all, to avoid extra time, I just I want to sit here and assure people that there's an opportunity for Milan to come back. But look, I mean, the, even when they've been getting results, they haven't exactly been blowing teams out of the water. They've just they've been getting routine victories. They've they've done the job yeah. of honestly. I I feel like it's a very Gattuso thing. Just remembering Gattuso as a player, this chiseled. I think he's a worshiper of Catenaccio, which is one of the reasons why I love him. But Catenaccio doesn't exactly inspire an onslaught of goals. They're just looking back at some of their results. I mean, getting two goals at the Olympico was amazing. Spall is spall. They scored four goals there, but mostly it's one or two goals. Most of these results they've had. It's a team that has some talent going forward. It's just not a team that's going to light the back of the net on fire. So they can win at the Emirates. It might be a 1-0. It might be a 2-1. I I just don't see enough there. I think 2-1 is the best case scenario. Yeah, uh, which is the upsetting part because I think had they actually capitalized on a couple of their chances, even one, I agree with you. If they had scored one goal, I'd be singing a different tune. I would be saying, "Well, all right, like here we go. This is it, boys." But in this case, it's like, "Oh my god!" They would have to play out of their minds, <laughs> and I, I know. You know, we are the the podcast of the AC Milan blog, right? And I know that I want to have that confidence. And I had a lot of confidence going into the Arsenal game. My prediction was 2-0 Milan because I thought they were going to kind of go by the storybook and just ride the hot streak, right? Yep. It had to end at some point. It ended against Arsenal which is fine, but they got humiliated. It wasn't the result that crushed my confidence. It was the performance because I watched all 90 minutes of it. Yep. I was like, oh, my stars. This <laughs> is awful. It's like, this is painful. And then when they subbed Kajanich on, I was like, oh, God. White flag. We're conceding, aren't we? Like, we are actually waving the white flag. And I've said this to you before. I don't know how he gets on the pitch. I seriously have no idea because somehow he came in like eight minutes before Andre Silva did, which is baffling. 
Just absolutely baffling. And shockingly enough, Andre Silva made a pretty good play where he fed the ball to an open Kajanic who couldn't catch up to the ball. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's it. And then Suso's shot that curved so far left that it was a throw-in. <laughs> that was the story of the game for me. And, you know, it. I have no... I have unfortunately low confidence going into Thursday. I love to say we will win, but I, I just have no idea. I don't think we're advancing. I will say before we move on, I just... You you did you said that you picked Milan two nil. I also said Milan would win. I think I said two one two nil something like that. It wasn't far fetched. We weren't just coming on here and saying Milan we're going to win because we're Milan fans. And I don't think you know before that we were waxing lyrical about the victory over Roma. That was a very emotional win for Milan. And but at the same time, I don't think that that was far-fetched of us i don't think that we were just getting sucked into some sort of aura as milan fans reminiscing about like watching this team and feeling things we hadn't felt in a long time this is a team that was playing really good football going against a team that was playing really bad football clearly the old saying form is temporary is true i mean things could completely change again but football is crazy sometimes like you saw the hot team against the cold team and roles were reversed and that happens. And I mean, we, I agree. We were not out of our minds to think that Milan would win or play well, or at least play better than that. Because if Montella was still manager, that would have been what I had expected, right? I would have been like, Oh, we are going to get absolutely bodied. And I wouldn't have been surprised. I would have been like, all right, well, that sucked. But instead, I was like, all right, like we can do this, guys. Like this is going to be, like you said before, the triumphant reannouncement of our return. Like, hey, boys, guess what? Guess who's here to stay? And, you know, that would have been the, you know what we're going to do? We're going to beat you. We're going to send you home. We're going to send your manager home. And then we're going to go to the finals of this thing. And now it's like, well, I sure hope we can get a goal. Like, you know, get a redemption thing. I hope we don't get crushed. If they were to win 1-0, you know, that would obviously be a victory. I think that would look pretty good. It would just be 2-1. If they if they get two goals, that's when I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, oh God, are we are we really going down this road? I'd love to say, like, you know what? They're going to win 3-1. Uh, I can't say that. Like, that That I would be out of my mind. Gattuso and uh, the boys actually today said uh, Milan have a 30% chance of progressing, which I guess if you do the math, yeah, probably. Like, 30%, you know, they'd have to score, keep a clean sheet or not, or da-da-da. Um, I think that sounds about right, 30% chance. And... Um, Odds are obviously stacked against them. Again, don't think they're advancing. I I don't think they'll win. Um, I think they'll get a goal just because I think that they will end up getting that. Uh, maybe it'll be a draw. Maybe it'll be 1-1. Maybe it'll be... Uh, I think it'll just end up being 2-1 Arsenal. You know, I want to be wrong. Again, I'd love to come on in a week and be like, you know what? 
hey, but I I just don't think that's happening. Because Arsenal know exactly what they have to do. They have to do nothing. They just don't have to get blown out. So if Arsenal gets one goal, it's over. And I think they will get that goal, uh, which is a shame. But then I guess the positive is Milan gets to focus on Syria. That's the spin zone. But Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean... 2-1 Arsenal if I have to make a prediction, which is unfortunate, but I mean, that's how it is. Uh, they did well to get this far. I'll give them that. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not getting past. I don't think I would, again, love to be wrong, but not after that at the San Siro. But one thing that was a positive, and this is the reason I think that we can score a goal. The one nil win over Genoa on the road with the final kick or hit, I guess, of the game. Andre Silva, the man, the myth, the legend, scores his first Serie A goal in, I believe it was 93 minutes and 55 seconds out of 94 minutes, including added time. Just an absolutely wondrous cross from Suso and a hell of a finish by Andre Silva who just gets it past Perrin and that's the game and he runs to the corner flag and the whole team is there that is more what I was expecting that is what we all needed I saw a picture on Twitter that said um Milan Twitter when Andre Silva scores and it's straight up like supporters invading a pitch. Like it's, it's a storming the court kind of thing. Hopefully the good kind, not the West Ham kind. Yeah. Not the West Ham kind. It was the, it was the celebration kind, not the angry kind. Um, but Oh my God, it was hilarious. Cause also uh, I wasn't able to watch the game. Yeah. Same. And so I'm looking through Twitter and then as soon as the goal goes in, madness absolute madness <laughs> milan twitter i think broke like it was so funny because then if you go and you search andre silva goal on twitter just the results of people saying when he got subbed in which of course he didn't start right um and of course kainich got into the game <laughs> um and of course he didn't do anything because he's useless um and shocker andre silva scored Everyone said, jokingly, like, this is when Andre Silva is going to score his first Serie A goal. And he did. And everyone was like, oh, my God. That is a crucial, crucial three points for AC Milan, who now sit in sixth, 47 points, just five points behind the bad guys, six points behind Champions League, and nine points behind third which is a far different situation than we were in in 2017. This is astounding because obviously they have that game in hand, which is against Inter. Uh, I believe if they get knocked out of the Europa League, that game is going to be on April 3rd or 4th, which is going to be absolutely bonkers um, because that now we're getting into potentially knocking you out of Champions League qualification time. Inter obviously drew Napoli nil-nil 
over the weekend, which was shocking to me. I thought Napoli were going to absolutely take them by the horns and just lay three goals on them. That didn't happen. Yeah, Napoli haven't looked great the last couple of weeks. No, they've they have pretty much this title race has flipped completely for Juventus. I don't see Napoli getting back, which is so sad because I thought that they had it, and now uh, you know. Uh, Juventus have that game in hand and a point ahead, and Juventus, uh, that game in hand is the Atalanta game, which is going to be made up soon. They're probably going to win that, which is going to be four points. Like that's not <laughs> that's not good. Um, I don't want to see a seventh, but what I would like to see is Milan in the Champions League, especially come storming back the way they have. Five points back, and you know Andre Silva. All credit to him and Suso for the cross. But what a relief it must be for the kid to get his first Serie A goal! Like finally. Sometimes one goal makes all the difference. Not obviously not just in a game for a player. This is a guy who we saw him scoring left and right in the group stage and qualifying in the Europa League, and we're like, okay, this is going to be a good investment. And you know he was probably feeling really good, and everyone was feeling really good about Andre Silva being in the team, and then just. Syria comes around and he's just he's doing nothing like he a lot of, a lot of it at the beginning I felt was just like I thought he was a victim of Montella in the worst possible way yep. where the way Agreed. Milan played was just not complementary to his strengths at all and I think once Gattuso figured out the best way to play this team Obviously, Patrick Cutrone has been playing so well that you can't justify not having him in there. Obviously, Callan has started this last game, and you know we all have our opinion on Kalinish that may sucks. Yes, yes, that. <laughs> um, I don't know if Gattuso would say that. He seems to have a different opinion of Kalinich, but he also doesn't exactly have much to work with outside of what Cutrone has been doing. Look, I mean. Silva, it, it had to come at some point, and I think I also like I unfortunately missed the match the way I, my the timing with having to get to work and but I was following along and I saw that he's he was on the bench with Cutrone, Calabria. They all came in, and from everything I've seen and from the highlights that I saw, those three guys they really made a difference when they came in. Obviously, when Cutrone comes in. You've got a defense that now has to worry about one of the new it guys in Serie A. He's going to be quite a distraction there. Calabria, look, he's he's done this thing lately where if he has a bad game, he comes out the next time and he completely makes up for it. Obviously, he didn't have a lot of time in this match. Um, Fabio Barini playing right back. What a world. But he he made an impact he you know he did what he does going forward on the right wing and obviously that gave suso a little more freedom to do what he does and he played a perfect ball to silva and well you just you gotta get ahead on it put it toward goal and perrin was more toward the middle of the goal he you know he extended as much as he could but silva snuck it right inside the post and you saw what it meant to him. I mean, when, and obviously his teammates, you see the way they all celebrated together. The it, the world must have fallen off of Silva's shoulders when that ball went in the net. And for his team to come together with him like that afterward and 
to just you see that they've never given up on him obviously in a way that I think many of us fans have you you got to see what comes next um, obviously Cutrone is going to be in there at the Emirates but Silva could play a pretty important role in the rest of this season obviously Cutrone can't do it all himself Kalinich has proven unreliable and the only way for him to go is up and if as I said, one goal can make a difference. Now's the time to prove why Milan spent so much money on you in the summer and show that you're now out of this massive, massive rut you were in. Yeah, uh, for a guy who, I mean, there were transfer rumors for him and, I mean, half of the team, but there were transfer rumors of him leaving in January, which I didn't want him sold. Catuso clearly didn't want him sold and said as much. And, you know, there were those pictures where Silva was away from the rest of the team or had his head down. Uh, but a lot of the other times he seemed to be enjoying himself. And, you know, I have very infrequently seen a happier man than him after he scored that goal. And the fact that his team came together, like you said, is just absolutely brilliant. Hats off to him. Hopefully he can be one of the forces behind Milan in their final 11 games of the season. I mean, we're in the home stretch now. Again, just five points back of Inter, uh, six points back of Lazio in fourth, which is Champions League, uh, and they have a game in hand that's against Inter to be determined. Uh, last thing before we wrap up, and again, thank you for listening uh, to the Devil Wears Rossonero at Stoll underscore P, at Tim underscore Fontenot, and at SBN Rossonero. Kievo, Sunday, next Serie A match, you know, next one up. Meanwhile, an interesting one for Inter, they have to go on the road to Samp. So I would like to say it could very well become a two point gap, which is absolutely wild. Milan host Kievo Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. I think they can take care of business. I am afraid that they are going to be discouraged because they have to play Arsenal first. But positives, if they lose against Arsenal, they're going to have a bone to pick and try and take revenge and get their form back. And they have Kievo, which is good. And then they have an international break. Positives, they're at home, which is always good, um, except apparently against Arsenal. Another positive, if they win, then they will have another hot streak going, coming into the Kievo game. I do think they can take care of business, no matter what the Arsenal result is. I'm thinking 2-0 Milan at home against Kievo, and hopefully, fingers crossed, Inter drops to Samp. And then it's two points. Two points, which is absolutely unreal. And Champions League watch uh, Lazio hosts Bologna, which I think is pretty straightforward. However, I also thought that Lazio were going to handle Cagliari. So <laughs> maybe not. But I, I I do think we're gonna I do think we're gonna beat Kievo. And if I may, the only reason Lazio didn't fall to Cagliari was, my goodness, what a goal from Chiro Immobile. Um, oh, my God. It was 
Absolutely unreal. Truly, like that is a controller breaking goal in FIFA. <laughs> I mean, that is controller through the TV because that had no business. No, I remember seeing a goal like that last year in MLS. Gio Dos Santos for LA Galaxy scoring just like that against Minnesota United, and everyone just freaking out. Like that's you. Congratulations, young man. You just defied physics. My favorite part of that goal, before I talk about Kievo, when you watch the replay from behind, from where the ball was played in, uh, I couldn't tell who the player was in the box for Lazio. It may have been Milinkovic Savic. Maybe I'm just hoping it was. But a mobile comes from off camera and just jumps right in front of this guy, throws his leg out there. He's like, yeah, I got this. Just puts it on net. And I, <laughs> it was stupid. What a goal. Right where he wanted yeah, it. Yeah, right where exactly. he wanted it. He called the shot. That was fantastic. <laughs> shoot or shoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and he does that quite often. Kievo, look, they're they're dragged into this relegation fight now. And if they hadn't been already, the loss to Verona in the Derby drags them in. Congratulations to the Flying Donkeys. They they're going to be playing desperate football the rest of the way. I think. I I mean, you've got. You've got seven teams, eight teams maybe, in that relegation fight right now. Well, let's say Benevento's already gone on 10 points. There's no coming back from that. But Verona, Spal, Sassuolo's down there amazingly. Crotone, Chievo, Cagliari, they're all in that fight. And so they're all going to be fighting for their lives, which is actually fun for Milan because they play a few of those teams going down the stretch. Oh, great. Yeah. you got to take care of business. Whatever happens at Arsenal, I even if they lose to Arsenal... I refuse to believe that a team coached by Gennaro Gattuso is not going to be motivated to come out the next game and play it like a final when they need the points, when they need to just get maximum points as often as they can throughout the rest of the season. Look, you get that win against Kievo, you go into the international break. Juve is right around the corner, and obviously you got to go one match at a time, but if you get that win and Juve's focus on the Champions League quarterfinals, which if you're Juventus, and yes, you want to win Serie A for the seventh year in a row, but if you're one of those players or if you're Max Allegri and you're thinking about the last couple of years in the Champions League, you're going all out. So I think that you'd be playing Juve at an opportune time. But again, getting ahead, there you just you have to take care of business against Kiev. There's... I, I think a 2-0 win is reasonable. I don't see it being more than that. I don't see it being any tighter than that. I just think this is going to... It's going to be a routine thing for Milan because it has to be a routine thing. Yeah, I think they should get out there, get a professional, well-played performance, go into the international break in a good place, come back and have the big match. I mean, that's what you got to do. And on that note, uh, thank you for listening to the Devil Wears Rossonero. I'm Patrick Stoll alongside my co-host Tim Fontenot uh, at Stoll underscore P at Tim underscore Fontenot at SBN Rossonero. The AC Milan roller coaster continues 2-0 defeat to Arsenal, 1-0 over Genoa. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the second leg of Arsenal and in Kievo. 
Tim, thank you for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Patrick. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night. And we'll do this again really soon for Tim, for the Devil Wears Russ and Arrow staff. I'm Patrick. We'll see you next time.